Welcome to the Reclaim Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in. If you would like to find out more information about our church, you can visit our website at reclaimchurchtx.com. I love my, like, I was telling Jess, like, on the, I forgot where we were going, but I just randomly, and she looked at me like that was the most random thing. I'm just driving, I'm like, I feel like I thrive in this season. She was like, what are you talking about? I'm like, maybe she thought I was talking like spiritually, right? I was like, I feel like I thrive when it's cold and I get to wear a jacket and I feel like I'm just like, this is the, the ultimate weather, right? Like it's actually cold outside and these seasons, they, they come and they go and then you get to the summertime and it's super hot. Although after this last winter storm, I couldn't wait for the summertime. I was like, I just don't want to see any more. I don't want to see snow for the rest of my life. Um, never again. But these seasons, they come and they go, right? And you learn to enjoy them. You learn to say, okay, man, this is, this, is a good, this is a good season, this is a good moment. But then there are those seasons where they just seem to stick around forever, and they're not very good. Now, I'm not just talking about the weather, but you ever been through a season in your life where you just feel like, man, I feel stuck here. I feel stuck, and, and it's like the longest season. And then, and then you ever get to those moments in that season where you're like, oh, I got my breakthrough. Then a couple of days later, it's like, what, what happened? Anybody ever experienced anything like that? But you get stuck in these seasons, and, and I think the worst ones that I've ever been to, been in, are the seasons where you can't, you can't quite feel God. Has anybody ever been through that? Where you, you don't feel like he's close. And you, you know, you have the, the, the mountaintop moments where you're in the presence of God and you could hear the voice of the Lord and he's speaking to your heart. And then, and then you have those other seasons where you're like, God, where, where did you go? And then when you, when you begin to lose that, that feeling of the presence of the Lord being so near, you start to drift into this place of feeling like you have no purpose. Has anybody ever felt that before? It's like this cycle of like, man, it's just day by day, by day, by, especially when like everybody was staying home. We were like, what is today, right? <laughs> like, what is, what's today, Tuesday or Friday? We have no clue. But it's like this cycle of life that just, these seasons that we go through and, and it feels like the peaks are great, right? The, the good moments are great. Like, man, this is great. I, could, I can keep going. And, 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 but it's funny when you think about a peak in a valley, the peak is always shorter than the valley, right? The distance seems to be, the timing seems to be very short. And then you, then you kind of go back into, but the valleys, don't they just seem like they're forever? Right? Okay, guys, come on. I'm not going to beg you to talk to me this morning, but okay. <laughs> but if we aren't careful, as the valleys begin to extend in our life, if we're not careful, our valleys will begin to construct our perspective of life. Because I'm going through this, I see everything through the lens of my struggle. I see everything through the lens of my season. So now when I hear the preacher talking about God, I'm because of the season that I'm in, I say, no, God, that's not for me because I don't feel him. Or when I hear a preacher talking about God's called you and he's destined you because of the season of feeling like I have no purpose, I hear that I say, no, that's not for me because of the season that I'm in. 
But we, what we do, as, and even as believers, what we do is we allow the circumstances and the seasons of life to construct our perspective. But Philippians teaches us something. He says, not that I speak in regard to need, for I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. This is the perspective that the believer needs to have, that it doesn't matter what season that I'm in, because in every season I still have him. And that's where my strength comes from. But if we're not careful, we allow these circumstances and seasons to construct the way that we see life, the way that we see our family, the way that we see ourselves, and the way that we see God. Is this relatable this morning? Okay, I'm, it feels like it's going to be a good one. This, make sure we record this sermon, guys. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Judges chapter 6 is where we're going to get our, our main story, our main text today. Judges chapter 6. We're going to ver read verse 1 through 6, and then we're going to jump down to verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil on the side of the Lord. So the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian for seven years. And the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel because of the Midianites. The children of Israel made for themselves the dens, the caves, and the strongholds which are in the mountains. So basically they learned to live in hiding. So it was whenever Israel had sown, Midianites would come up. Also Amalekites and the people of the east would come up against them. Then they would encamp against them and destroy the produce of the earth as far as Gaza and leave no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ox nor donkey. For they would come up with their livestock and their tents, coming in as numerous as locusts. Both they and their camels were without number, and they would enter the land to destroy it. So Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites and the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. I'm going to stop reading for just a second, just so we understand what's happening. It, we all, for those that don't know, the children of Israel are God's people. And they have a covenant with God. You'll be my people and I'll be your God. But because of their rebellion and their sin, the Lord allowed them to be overtaken by their enemy. Now their enemy has overtaken them in such a way that everything they produce in life is taken away from them. Everything they need to survive is now being ripped away from them. And so what they do, and they said they, they lived in caves and dens and, and all the, what they begin to do is they begin to dig out caves within the mountainside and they lived inside those caves because they were afraid of the enemy. Okay, we all following with the story. Okay, so now we'll continue reading chapter 11, story of one man who was stuck in a season. Now the angel of the Lord came and sat underneath the terebinth tree, which was in Oprah, which belonged to Joash the Abazarite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. And Gideon said to him, O my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles which our fathers told us about, saying, Did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you, and you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. 
These people were stuck in a season. The scripture highlights this man named Gideon, who was, who was no better than everybody else that was hiding. But yet we see that his story starts when he's stuck. Right? Can we pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this time together. I pray that you would speak through your word, God. Lord, I am your vessel, Lord. I don't want to take any of your glory. I don't want to take any of your credit, God. You deserve every ounce. Lord, I pray that you would be glorified in this room today. Lord, I ask that you would speak to me, Lord. Let the word, let the word be our guide, God. I pray that nothing that I say would be in emotion, God, or out of my own opinion. But Lord, let every word be based and founded on your word and led by your Holy Spirit. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. So we see in this story that Gideon's circumstance, man, the, the, the room changes when the guitar stops, huh? It becomes like, okay, now we can start the sermon. But can you just stay? No, I'm kidding. You don't have to stay up here. The longest altar call of all time. But we see that the circumstance of Gideon shaped his perspective of the way that he saw God. God comes to him, the angel of the Lord comes down to him and begins to speak to him and says, hey, Gideon, you mighty man, you mighty warrior. And Gideon's response is like, pretty much like, wait a second. Where were you this whole time? Like, you know, we heard all these miracles from the past generations of, of what you've done. Now, I think this is pretty bold of Gideon to do this to the angel, but We've heard of all these things that you've done, and, and, and we saw, you, you know, the miracles that you rescued your people, and now, now we're here, and, and you're not. Instead of taking on any responsibility for the season, Gideon immediately puts all the blame on the Lord. Like, you should have been here. You should have done this. God, if you would have done what you were supposed to do, then I wouldn't have been here in the beginning. You're coming down now to say that, you know, we're going to be saved, but where were all those miracles that we heard about for so many years? It changes perspective of God. He began to question the faithfulness of God. Well, you were there for them, but you're not here for me. You gave them the miracles and the breakthrough, but what about me? And isn't it funny how our seasons will shift our thinking of God? When we feel lonely, we think that God's abandoned us. When we feel guilty, we think that he hates us. When we feel depressed and sad, we think that he's distant. Anybody? Okay, you guys are nodding, but just be a little vocal, right? Say yes. No, I'm kidding. No, I don't need it. It's okay. You just be quiet. I'm just going to look at the floor the entire time. But in these seasons that we, that we go through, it begins to give us a distorted view of who God really is. Right? Like when we're broke, we're like, man, God, if you would have. And he's like, if you would have saved your money. <laughs> you didn't need to go Black Friday shopping. You know, the only reason you go Black Friday shopping is for impulse buys. I'm just going to say it. If it wasn't an impulse buy, you could wait till Cyber Monday. But that's a whole other sermon on proper stewardship of your finances, which we'll get into that another day. But our, our seasons will begin to distort our view of God. We'll begin to see him 
based on how we feel. If we're frustrated, we take it out on God. We got a family issue. God, why didn't you? Where were you? How come you didn't? You must not love me. You must not be there for me. And we begin to question the faithfulness of God because of our own circumstance. And we see that Gideon was doing this. Not only was not only did the season distort his perspective of God, but it shaped his perspective of himself. So he's looking at God and he's saying, well, you are not as faithful as we thought you were. You've not been there in the way that we, we thought you should. Isn't it funny how we put all these standards on God, but none on ourselves? Again, another sermon, maybe, maybe next year we'll get there. But not only did it shape his view of God, but then when God is like, well, look, look, okay, I'm here now, all right, it's all good, I'm, I came here. And in fact, Gideon, I'm here to tell you that I'm going to use your life. You talk of these miracles, Gideon, that I've done in the past, yes, but guess what? I used a man named Moses, who was, who was not qualified for the job. I'm so thankful that God doesn't use qualified people. <laughs> I'm serious. I'm thankful because I would not be preaching up here today. Somebody out there is like, I would. <laughs> I would be up there. But he's like, okay, okay get in. You're, you're complaining. Like, and it's funny because God, God Jesus lets him complain. Where were you? Your, where's the miracles at? And he's like, okay, cool, cool, cool. Hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use your life. To make the difference. And then Gideon's like, wait, uh, <laughs> I, I, you're, you're asking the wrong guy. Like, do you see I'm, hi I'm hiding? Like, but you're asking the wrong guy. And he's like, not only are we all pretty weak right now, but my family is the weakest of everybody, and I'm like the lowest in the weakest family of all of us. Like, did you find the right cave? <laughs> like, are, is this the right den? Did you check the number on the side? But God will, he'll come to us in those moments, and, and it's funny because our seasons that we go through, especially the bad ones, will highlight our greatest weaknesses. Your, your struggle is good. Oh, I'll drink. I'll drink to that one. <laughs> Struggling is good because it shows you how much you need God. It shows you the weaknesses with inside your life. The wrong season will highlight our biggest weakness. And when our biggest weaknesses are highlighted by the wrong seasons, it's funny because we don't go to God with that. Man, it is. This, this is either really, really good or really bad. I'm just kidding. Honestly, guys, I don't care. I just like to talk to you guys. I don't, it doesn't matter to me. I just like to, my brother always says, like, you can't, it's, it's the, it's like preacher one-on-one that you can't highlight the awkwardness in the room. I just, I'm, I, I'm, all, I'm all about that. I just like to highlight the awkwardness in every room. You know, people are just sitting there quiet. I'm like, hey, man, why are you so quiet, bro? What's up? 
But, it, but our, our perspective will begin to change how we look at ourselves. And when our, when our weaknesses are highlighted, we don't go to God with them. That's like the last thing we do. We go on Facebook, go on Instagram. We do, uh, what do they call it? They used to call it, a, I think it was called a subtweet, right? You talk about somebody, but you're not mentioning their name, but like everybody knows what you're saying. And no, nobody does that. That's, that's the unhealthy Christians. Nobody does that here. But we go to these other sources instead of going to God. And our weaknesses are highlighted in the season of struggle. And so what we do is instead of learning that we need to go through the season, we start to learn how to rest in who we are. Instead of saying, okay, this is just a really bad season that I'm going through, God help me get through this and what are you trying to teach me? We begin to say, no, no, this is who I am and I'm gonna stay here. And our prayer is no longer, God, could you set me free? Our prayer is, God, can you teach me how to stay where I'm at? You know what I'm saying? Don't get stuck in a season that you're meant to go through. Don't get stuck in a mindset that God is, that is, he's graced you to overcome. Don't get stuck in a cycle of sin that God has already empowered you to defeat. You're not meant to stay stuck where you are. You're meant to go through to where God is calling you. Because allowing ourselves to get stuck in a season, what it does is it begins to change the way that we operate in our daily life. Because we're used to it. I heard the pastor say that we learn to function in dysfunction. That's how I feel when I go to restaurants with all my kids. <laughs> learn to function in dysfunction. I'm, the waiter comes, I'm like, I'm sorry, he just saw on the table. I don't know what to tell you. I already told him, you can, can you tell him to get off, please? <laughs> but as believers, we do this all the time. We, what we do is we allow the season to control who we are. It's funny, in, in verse 11, it says, the angel of the Lord came to Gideon when he was threshing wheat in the winepress. Now, I never had to thresh wheat in my life. I usually just go to H-E-B and get a loaf of bread. <laughs> I've never been to a wine press. I don't even know, I don't drink alcohol, so like I don't even know, I don't know what they're talking about. But if you study the scriptures, what, what, what is happening is when you thresh wheat, what you're supposed to do is you're supposed to do it outside because the wind will come through and it'll pick up all of the, basically the trash that you don't need and you separate what you need. The wine press is something that would be done inside like a cave or something. So what Gideon has learned to do is he's learned to do what's meant to be done outside and he's taking it inside. Now, if you, if you do anything like that, you know, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm just trying to give some practical examples today, okay? Is that all right? I'm not much of like uh, Chip or Joanna Gaines, um, if you know, like I don't build things in my house. I don't know how to build tables. My wife will show me a picture. She's like, can you build this? I'll say, no, not at all. Um, <laughs> not even close. I could maybe try it. Like, that's why I try my best to make more money to, to make sure she gets those things because God knows I can't build it. And if I built a bench and you came to my house, I'd say, don't sit on that. It's not safe. But... <laughs> But I remember my, my friend came over and we did some, some remodeling in our house and, 
and I was using the saw. I never felt more like a dad and a, and a man when I was on the saw right there, <laughs> chopping the wood. I was like, who needs these safety glasses? It's just. But I remember we did it in my garage, and in my garage, all the dust was, my garage was filled with wood dust for like two weeks. All of our baby stuff had just wood stuff on it. Like, it was a big mess. And I'm thinking, man, this would have been great to do this outside where the wind could have taken it away. And so that's kind of similar to what Gideon is doing. Maybe not as significant, but it's similar. And so what's happening is he's learning to adapt to doing things a certain way, even though they were never meant to be done that way. He learned to live a life of hiding, not because he was meant to hide, but because that was the season that he was in. When we start to get stuck in a season, we begin to identify ourselves by the circumstance. And when we identify ourselves by the circumstance, we start to adapt in our life and do things in our life, and we try to do them right, but they were never meant to be done at all. We try to handle circumstance and situations and burdens that were never meant to be on your shoulders. We start to treat relationships how they were never meant to be treated. We start to tell ourselves, you know what, I'm just gonna have to learn to deal with anxiety. I'm going to have to learn to deal with depression. I'm going to have to learn to deal with this anger that I carry. I'm going to have to learn to deal with this bitterness that's in my heart. I'm going to have to learn to deal with this confusion that comes when I read the scriptures. I'm going to have to deal with this because it's my life. But maybe it's not your life, but it's your season. And if it's your season, then it's not something you're meant to stay in. It's something you're meant to go through. So if I'm meant to go through it, then I need to learn that I may feel this way, but that doesn't mean I am what I feel. I may be in this season, but that doesn't mean I am who this season makes me feel like. I may be really frustrated and bothered with my, not my wife, I would never be bothered with my wife. I'm just saying a scenario. I may be frustrated with my wife, but that doesn't mean my marriage is a wreck. It's a season. I may not like my pastor right now. I know that don't happen here, right? <laughs> but it's a season. I may not feel, I feel like I have no purpose right now. But it's a season. And we're meant to go through them, not stay in them. Romans 12, 2 says this. Let me drink. There's never like the right moment to drink a water. Romans 12, 2, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and, and perfect will of God. When, he, when he's sharing this scripture, do not be conformed to this world, what he's really saying is, and this is maybe to me when I, when I studied it, it was, like a, it was like a light bulb went off. But he wasn't saying like stop getting trapped in this, in this lifestyle necessarily. Or like escape from the world and be like Christ. What he's saying when he says do not be conformed, he's basically saying don't go to something you're not. Don't get in a situation or a lifestyle 
that you're not supposed to be in. So like, be who God has called you to be. When you live a life of sin, when you live a life of, of being stuck in these emotions and the spiritual way, you're living a life that God never intended you to live. You're living a life that God has, has called you to be free from. Because God didn't intend you to be stuck. The Lord didn't intend for you to deal with this depression for the rest of your life. He didn't intend for you to be sick for the rest of your life. He didn't intend for you to be frustrated forever. But we're, we're, we're drama, right? A little bit, anybody? At Thanksgiving, I'm sure you saw it all, right? Some of us are drama. I'm always going to be like this, God. It's like you had one bad day. <laughs> like, I'm always going to be sad. I'm always going to be anxious. I'm always going to be stuck. I'm always going to be like this. God is like, no. Because that's not what I intended for you. John 10.10 10 teaches that Jesus came, that we would have abundant life. Not that we would live a Christian life hiding in a cave from our emotions, hiding in a cave from our circumstance, but that we, we would live an abundant life. So don't get, don't get used to the season, but break free. Don't get used to being stuck where you are because God has not intended that for you. I'm going to say something, and I need to take my jacket off for this. And it's a jean jacket, and so it's very difficult. Give me one second. This is Thanksgiving. This is why. <laughs> this is not in my notes, and so I need you to be, I, I feel it's the Lord. I believe in deliverance ministries. I believe that people are demon-possessed. I believe all those things. See in Scripture. But I also believe, and I've seen, ministries called deliverance ministries take advantage of believers and not teaching them that you're meant to be free, but, but teaching people that you're always going to have a demon inside of you. And there's always a demon to watch out for. And you got to, you know, you know why deliverance ministries are so successful? I'm going to, okay, Lord, if this is wrong, forgive me, but I feel it's right. You know why they're so big and successful? Is because they teach people that you need to come back to be free. They teach believers. Imagine that, that you have to come to my service to be free from a demon you don't even have. Now again, I believe in deliverance. I mean, we've seen demons cast out here at our church. If you've not seen it yet, just stick around a little bit. Don't get scared. It happens fast and then they're gone. But Christians are stuck in this cycle of, oh, I was delivered three weeks ago, but I think the demon's back. 
And I got to go back to get delivered again. Or I, 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 was, I was set free from this a while ago, but, but now that I feel the emotion again, I've got to go back and get delivered again because... But the scriptures don't teach that lifestyle. What does Jesus say? That those who are in Christ are a new creation who the Son sets free is truly free or free indeed, right? It's not this cycle of like, oh, come to the altar, get delivered, go back home, come to the altar, get delivered, go back home, come. This is a cycle of like, oh my goodness, like, can I tell you this? That the reason the church is so weak is because Christians are convinced that they can't be free. The reason the church is so dead is because Christians don't believe that they can be free from the things that they're carrying. The reason men are raised on a pedestal in today's Christian world is because what we've said is the deliverance is through them. The freedom is through them. Can I tell you this? That I will pray with you, but I can't set you free from anything. But you know who can? The Holy Spirit that already lives inside of you. It's this false teaching that is not founded on scripture. I've seen these things online. I know some of these people. And I'm going to say this as a loving pastor, okay? Some of you have been deceived. I'm going to say this as a loving pastor. Some of you have been deceived. I once heard, and I, I really feel this free from the Lord. I've been praying about this for a long time. I feel the release of the Spirit today to teach on this. And it's not even really in my notes, but we're talking about freedom. I heard one of them, one of the preachers say, and I, I love this guy. I mean, I don't know him close, close, but, you know, we've hung out a couple of times and and I heard him say that if your theology doesn't match your experience, then you need to question your theology. Meaning, if the scriptures that you believe don't match what you experience, then let your experience interpret the scriptures that you read. That's not the way the Christian lives. The reason that they have to teach things like that, the reason people teach stuff like that, is because if they can get you to begin to live out your emotions... They can deceive you. Scripture interprets experience. So if my experience is not found in Scripture or is not led by the Bible, then my experience is not from God. Is this helping anybody today? This is why you need to know your word. This is why you need to read your Bible. Don't, don't just take my word for it. Go read it for yourself. Go study this for yourself. Because I'm not here to tell you that every word that I say, you need to take it and run with it. I, what I'm here to tell you is I've read and I've studied, and this is what I've learned, but you need to study too. Because the world today needs strong Christians. And too many of us are bound by old dead beliefs because we don't know the truth of the scriptures. I am free in Christ, and so are you. So don't get stuck in this cycle of deliverance, deliverance, freedom, freedom. Walk in the freedom you have. Do we ever, what, does the scripture ever say walk by faith? Or excuse me, yes it does. You're like, wait a minute, is this, what are you saying? Oh no. 
The scripture never says walk by your feeling. The scripture never teaches walk by your emotion. The, t- the scripture never teaches walk by your experience. It says walk by faith. And where is faith found in the word of God? That's how we walk as Christians. That's what we're to be led by, is the word of God. Don't let, hmm, this is a whole new point that is not even in my, I feel the need to pastor today. Is that okay? You're like, what do you do every other Sunday? (laughs) Don't be tricked by signs and wonders. Don't be deceived by people who could do signs and wonders. Because some people came to Jesus and said, did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not heal the sick in your name? Did we not do these things? And he said, what? Depart from me, I didn't know you. Can I tell you this? That miracles and healings are not fruit of the spirit? I just stepped on toes right now. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, self-control. The gifts of healing are gifts from God. But if they were only, if they were gifts of the spirit, then those who Jesus didn't know couldn't do them. But we've been deceived by these things because we fall for the the emotional aspect of everything. We say, well, this is what's happening there. Demons are screaming every service. God must be there. Maybe he's delivering them. But we have to be careful. We have to know our word. Amen? If you want to walk in true freedom, know the word of God. Amen? Okay, I'll finish that sermon next week. Okay, last point. I don't, I don't even have a Facebook. I don't go on Facebook or Instagram, so if you got a problem with what I said, send it to somebody else. Okay, send it to somebody else. That's for everybody online too. Send it to Jeremy. Jeremy at reclaimchurchtx.com. <laughs> okay, okay, so let's get to the practical things and I'm done, okay? We're almost done. How do you break free from this season then? It's like, okay, I, I got another word, I get that. But, but what am I to do right now? Anybody ever get like that? I know in sermons sometimes I'm like, okay, but what do you want me to do, <laughs> right? Like, what do I do today? How do you break free? Number one is you let the Lord encourage you. The angel of the Lord came to Gideon. He said, you mighty man of valor or you mighty warrior. Imagine that. That you're hiding from your enemies, you're in a cave, you're, you're, you're with all your little, you know, mess of wheat, and this angel's like, hey, you're a mighty warrior. He does that in our weakest places. He comes through and he's like, hey, hey, you're my son, you're my daughter. Hey, I'm proud of you. He calls us out. But how quickly do we label ourselves before we, t- we allow him to tell us who we are? Oh, I'm a failure, I'm a loser, I'm abandoned, I'm nobody, I'm not called, I have no destiny. But he's like, no, 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 no. You're my son, you're my daughter, you're loved. I've given you mercy, I've given you grace, I've given you salvation, I paid a high price for you. He's like, he comes in and he begins to define us who we are. Your season does not define you, your God does. 
Your circumstances not define you. Your God defines you. Your God shows you who you are. I may feel this way, but what does he say about me? I may feel depressed, but what does God say about this joy that I can carry that surpasses all understanding? What, I may feel like this, but who does God say I am? He calls you, he doesn't call you by where you are now. He calls you by the name of who you're supposed to be. Thank God. He calls you by who you're supposed to be. So number one, let God encourage you. The best way to do that is one, read your Bible. Pick up your Bible. Man, we need Christians to read their Bible again. Number two, get under some healthy leadership that can encourage you. I said healthy leadership. Highlight the word healthy that can help you in times of trouble. And number, well, I guess this should have been number two is pray. Number, how do you break free? Second point, find your purpose. Find your purpose. He comes to Gideon. He's like, go in this might. I've called you to set them free. God gave Gideon a reason to move. Some of us are okay being stuck because we feel like if we got out of this, there'd be nowhere to go. So like, okay, God, even if I was free, so what? Am I supposed to just come to church? No. You have a purpose on your life. You have a destiny upon your life. My purpose, my life, what God has called me to do is to build this church. And every day, I pray, Lord, let me glorify you in what I've been purposed to do. I'm purposed to see people come to Jesus, to see people discipled and raised up to leadership and to maybe one day plant churches and plant ministries. That's why God has purposed me. So when I get stuck, I say, I can't stay here because I've been purposed. You've been purposed by God to do something great for the Lord. Your purpose is too great for you to stay where you are. Think of the significance of your calling. When I tell you, my favorite thing to do is stay home. <laughs> I love it. If I could stay home and watch Lord of the Rings every day of my life, I would do it. I don't care. I don't care what you think. <laughs> Somebody's like, Lord of the Rings is the devil. I'm like, I don't, show, me, show me the scripture, please. There's nothing special about me. So when I truly say, if I can do something good for God, I really mean, so can you. Because I look at some of you guys and I say, man, they have a greater calling than I do. Find your purpose. Can I, can I talk to the dads and the fathers in the room for one second? We need, we need men of prayer again. We need men of the word again. We need men of integrity. Integrity. What do you do when your wife's not, I mean, when nobody's watching? Men of integrity. Check this stat out. This is for the guys here. Another survey that is that another another survey found that if a child is the first person in the household to become a Christian, there is a 3.5% probability everyone else in the household will follow. If the mother is the first to become a Christian, there is a 17% probability everyone else will follow. However, when the father is the, is first, there is a 93% probability everyone else in the household will follow you men we have a mandate on our life yeah my purpose is to build a church but but god forbid i build a church and forget my kids 
I pray more for them than I do for you. Because that's, that's what God has intended men to be. Protectors. Some of you men, your wife is a spiritual protector of your home and you should be ashamed. Is that too much, David? You're like, this is not a men's meeting. What the heck is going on? You, sh- you, should, you should be upset. You should feel like, wait a second, I can't, no, 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 no. That's me. I love that people pray for my family, but guess what? If they didn't, I do. Amen? Last one, and I'm done. How do you get unstuck? Let go of what got you there. Oh my gosh, it's 1240. Judges chapter 6, verse 25 through 26. Now it came to this after the angel of the Lord came to Gideon. Gideon kind of takes it up on himself. He's like, I'm going to do this. Let's go. Summarize the story. 25. Now it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, take your father's young bull, the second bull of seven years old, and tear down the altar of Baal that your father has, and cut down the wooden image that is beside it, and build an altar to the Lord your God on top of this rock in the proper arrangement, and take the second bull and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the image which you shall cut down. Now remember, the children of Israel were stuck because of rebellion. They were in this place because of idol worship, right? Are we following? Okay, I don't want to lose you today. we got one more thing to do and then we're done. They were in this season because of idol worship. And in, in ver- the verses that we skipped, I believe it's verse 7 through 10. In verse 7 through 10, it says they cried out to the Lord for help. And he came down and he's like, man, I told you not to do this. Because now that you're worshiping idols, I've abandoned you to your enemy. So they already knew why they were stuck there. They already understood that they were there for, because of their idols. See, everyone cried out, but no one was willing to abandon their idol. Everyone cried out for help, but no one, nobody was willing to let go of why they got there in the first place. Oh, you ready? This last point's going to be good, Okay. What got you stuck where you are? What got you stuck in your season? It's funny because we'll cry out to God for help. Lord, help me with my anger. Help me with my, with my lust and my perversion. Lord, help me with, my, with my, my depression and my anxiety. Help me with these things, God. And he's like, okay, you have to stop looking at that. You have to stop listening to that. You have an idol before me, and it needs to come down. And it's almost like we hear that, and we just let it go, and we say, okay, God, but help me, God. <laughs> but Lord, help me. Lord, help me with my finances. Okay, you got to give. God, help me. <laughs> like, there's got to be another way. We're like, but what got you there? Because he goes to Gideon, he's like, all right. What I need you to do, before you fight anybody, there's an idol over there. You got to tear it down. Before you can overcome the enemies that you're facing emotionally, maybe even physically, I mean, don't fight them, but, you know, whatever you're facing, I can almost guarantee you that there's usually an idol inside of your life. I can almost, I'm like 90% sure. We were talking to some of our friends and we were talking about Christians needing therapy. And I was like, I don't need therapy. No, I'm kidding. I didn't say that. I, I, I think therapy is good. I think that therapy is necessity, necessary, necessity. 
And we got to end. Bow your heads. I'm kidding. But I was saying this. I said, you know, I don't want to ever replace the power of the Holy Spirit changing a mind and a life for therapy. Because 90% of the time, if you're going through a cycle in your life, if you would be honest, there's usually an idol. There's usually something in your life that you're unwilling to surrender so you continue to go through this cycle. Wow, God, why well, I'm not getting over this. And you, you, all of us, when I said that, something hit your heart. Because there's 90% of the time there's something there. Your freedom, complete freedom is on the other side of your surrender. So what Gideon does is he goes, he burns that altar. He tears it down and he builds an altar to the Lord. He builds an altar for the Lord. So my challenge to you today is if you want to get out of this cycle of your life, yes, let the word of God encourage you. Find your purpose, but burn the idol. Because you could read the Bible all day, but if you have an idol in your heart, you'll never receive breakthrough. Burn the idol and build one to the Lord. Amen? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thanks for tuning in to the Reclaim Church Podcast. I hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to stay up to date with the church, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at ReclaimTX.